Everyone feels the anticipation and excitement before a wedding, and planning starts way ahead of time, especially when it comes to what to wear. Whether you're going to be a groom, in a wedding party, or a lucky guest, everyone wants to look their best. With an Indochino custom-fitted suit, you'll look great, feel confident, and enjoy the big day without fussing over your clothes. Choose every detail of a suit, shirt, or dinner jacket at prices that might surprise you for fully custom pieces. Every Indochino suit is made to your exact measurements, and you can customize every detail for a suit that fits you and your style perfectly. Down to fabric, lapel shape, custom monogram, statement linings, and more. Suits start at just $4.29 and shirts from $89. If you've got a big day coming up, perfect your look with Indochino. Get $50 off a purchase of $3.99 or more with code BIGDAY at Indochino.com. That's code BIGDAY for $50 off $3.99 or more at INDOCHINO.com. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, my visionary friends. Thank you for joining us on another exciting adventure into future possibilities. This is Mission Evolution, where we share innovative thoughts and information with today's leading experts bringing evolutionary solutions to today's most pressing challenges. You, my treasured audience, are a very important part of this discussion. Email info at missionevolution.org with any comments or questions. We'll address them on the very next show. So take notes, sit back, and enjoy. This hour, we'll be exploring hidden killers, COVID-19, inflammation, and diet. During this special COVID-19 series featured on Mission Evolution Radio, many scientists and medical doctors interviewed have pointed out a startling fact. Ultimately, it's not the coronavirus that people die from, but rather their own body's overreactive inflammatory response to the disease. This brings up the pertinent question, what causes inflammation? And what can we as individuals do to mitigate it? To explore this matter, we invited a gentleman I've had the pleasure of interviewing before, Dr. Stephen Gundry. Through an interesting turn of events, Dr. Gundry has made it his career to uncover the inflammatory basis behind ill health and the foods that cause it. He's a cardiologist, a New York Times bestselling author, and a medical researcher. During his 40-year career in medicine, he performed over 10,000 heart surgeries and developed life-saving medical devices. His book, Dr. Gundry's Diet Evolution, instructs how to heal and avoid surgery through diet. His second book, The Plant Paradox, a New York Times bestseller, outlines a 90-day plan for some of the world's most pressing health issues. Dr. Gundry practices medicine at his Center for Restorative Medicine and Internal Heart and Lung Institute in Palm Springs and in Santa Barbara, California. His website, GundryMD.com. Dr. Gundry, on behalf of our listeners and myself, thanks for coming back on the show to discuss this very pressing and timely subject. Thanks for having me, Gwilda. Nice to be back. It's so so nice to have you. So you were a very successful cardiologist. Would you share the interesting turn of events that shifted your career? Over over 20 years ago now, I I met a gentleman who I call Big Ed in all my books, who very briefly went from a very uh, obese, um, horrible coronary artery disease person with such bad coronaries that he couldn't have stents or bypasses because they were so blocked. And in six months' time, he cleaned out 50% of the blockages in his coronary arteries um, while going on uh, a diet, which is very much like what I describe in the Plant Paradox series, and taking a bunch of supplements from a health food store. And I was so amazed with what I saw that I started the program on myself. And at that time, I was a 
big, fat, obese guy, despite running 30 miles a week and going to the gym one hour a day and eating a healthy, low-fat vegetarian diet. So um, that was a real career changer for me, and I lost 50 pounds my first year and subsequently another 20 and I've kept it off for over 20 years now. That's amazing. So, so how much was nutrition covered in medical school? Uh, you got about an hour and, uh, you basically, you know, learned about carbohydrates, fats, and proteins and a few vitamins and vitamin deficiencies. And that's really about it. <laughs> so you really had to educate yourself, didn't you? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I had, uh, Dr. Donald Kessler, who was former head of the FDA back in the Reagan era and subsequently dean of Yale Medical School and dean of UCSF Medical School on my podcast a, a little bit ago. And he and I were reminiscing that we were taught that the human gut was just a hollow tube that uh, we absorbed uh, carbohydrates and fats and proteins from, and whatever we didn't absorb was pooped out your rear end. And that's about what all we knew about this hollow tube. And of course, uh, lots of research since then and the human microbiome project has shown that this is not just a hollow tube, but it's the home of a symbiotic organism, uh, our microbiome, and it's every bit as important to the fate of us as uh, any of our cells are. So huge transformation uh, in our knowledge. Would you mind, uh, for, for those of us that may not know, what is a microbiome? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the microbiome, I actually prefer the word holobiome, um, but microbiome is the collection of bacteria, viruses, fungi, worms, protozoans that live in our gut. The holobiome is a description of the other places in us that this collection of organisms live, including our mouth, our nose, our ear canals, our vagina, believe it or not, breast ducts. And in the air around us, just like um, Pigpen in the Peanuts comic <laughs> had uh, this cloud around him, we actually have a bacterial cloud around us. Well, that certainly would put a lot of the people uh, from the 50s into a uh, um, fit, wouldn't it? Thinking about all these germs, if you will. What, what percentage of us is human cells at this point? Well, if you, yeah, if you actually did a body count, uh, about 90% of all the cells that make us us are actually non-human. But what's really interesting is if you did a gene count, 99% of all the genes in us are non-human genes. And so uh, most of what we think of as human is actually non-human. And the more we start recognizing that it's the non-humanness of us in this symbiotic organism that makes all the difference in the outcome of what's going to happen to us. So we're basically a community rather than an individual. Correct. Yeah, we, we are, I mean, we're truly, we're not only a, a symbiotic organism, that is, uh, we get benefit from these denizens that live in and on us, and they receive benefit from us. But what's even more twilight zone than any of us would have imagined is that much of what determines our fate is not so much our behavior, but the behavior that's dictated by these um, single cell organisms. Amazing. Um, changing gears just a little bit, you speak an awful lot about lectins. What are mm -hmm. they? So uh, lectins uh, are a sticky protein that plants use as part of their defense system against being eaten. And believe it or not, plants don't particularly want to be eaten. Uh, they want to live just like us, and they want their babies, their seeds to live. But they don't have ability to run and hide, but they have the ability uh, 
to be master alchemists. And so they use biological warfare to prevent themselves from being eaten. And part of that biological warfare is the use of lectins, which can uh, stick to sugar molecules that line our mouth, our esophagus, the lining of our gut, that line our joints, that line our blood vessels. And part of my research in the last 20 years is to show how our defense systems against lectins have broken down over the last 50 years because of our habits and the foods we eat. And so we've become very susceptible to things that probably didn't bother our ancestors. And uh, Hippocrates, uh, 2,500 years ago, said all disease begins in the gut. And I think uh, certainly from my research and others like Dr. Fasano from Harvard, has shown that lectins are a, a major contribution of causing leaky gut. And just so our listeners have something to identify with, gluten happens to be a lectin. And it's just one of multiple lectins in wheat. Uh, so that gives us an idea of you're gluten intolerant, uh, you have lectins to blame for it. So how do lectins interfere with our body's internal messaging system? Well, so lectins can, for instance, stick to sugar molecules called sialic acid that line the space between nerves and nerves talk to each other by a, a chemical message jumping from one nerve cell to another and lectins have been shown to bind to that uh, space between nerve cells and prevent these chemical messages from being transmitted when you think about it uh, the first predators of plants were insects and if you could paralyze an insect that would be a fairly effective way of uh, stopping being eaten. And to plants, we're just a giant insect. And why, why we don't get paralyzed necessarily by lectins, certainly I see a lot of people with um, MS or with neuropathies where uh, getting lectins out of their diet reverses the problem. So do we have any natural defenses against lectins? You betcha. We have multiple defenses, just like, you know, we set up the defense on a football team or a soccer team. Uh, we have, first of all, we have acid in our stomach, and proteins are broken down by acids. So uh, lectins can be broken down by acid in our stomachs. Unfortunately, a huge number of us take acid-reducing drugs like Nexium or Prilosec or Protonix with the mistaken idea that you're trying to prevent heartburn. And so that actually allows lectins uh, free passage into the rest of our intestines. The second system we have to protect ourselves against lectins is a generous lining of mucus on our nasal passages in our throat, completely lining all parts of our intestines. And mucus is a mucopolysaccharide. That means multiple sugars. And these proteins are after sugars. So normally, lectins are bound to this mucus layer. But unfortunately, people uh, unwittingly take uh, NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, like ibuprofen, like naproxen, Aleve, and Advil, uh, unwittingly not knowing that these actually dramatically punch holes in the mucus layer of our intestines. Just one is all you need to punch craters in the mucus layer. The third thing that happens is we have this microbiome, this set of bacteria and fungi that absolutely love to feast on lectins. In fact, there's even a bacteria that likes to eat gluten. But unfortunately, for the last 50 years, we've had broad-spectrum antibiotics that we unwitt unwittingly took for every known little sniffle without knowing that these broad-spectrum antibiotics not only kill bacteria that we think was causing an infection, but also kill most of the bacteria that live in our guts. 
add to it the fact that we've legally given antibiotics to cows, pigs, and chickens to make them grow faster, and those antibiotics get eaten by us. So we've completely, most of us, wiped out this defense system against lectins. And that's why uh, so many of my critics um, haven't actually read my book where I talk about the seven deadly disruptors, some of these I just named, that have changed how we respond to lectin-containing foods and explains how a lot of traditional societies could eat these foods without well, any Well, we'll have to pick up on the seven deadlies on the other side of a commercial break, but it is time. Um, Dr. Gundry and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The We're Going Family Style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Hello again. This is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. To all our faithful and thoughtful listeners, we really value your opinion and would love to hear from you. What do you think about diet as a contributing factor to inflammation? Email me at info at missionevolution.org and give me your thoughts. This in from a member of our audience regarding the episode entitled Transmutation, Alchemy for a World in Turmoil. GJ states, All this time I thought alchemy was a myth about changing lead into gold. How enlightening to view it as a process of spiritual awakening. Thanks, G.J. I, too, was delighted with the concept. It made a lot of things come together for me. Curious, dear audience? Visit our archives at missionevolution.org, listen to the episode entitled Transmutation, Alchemy for a World in Turmoil, and let us know what you think. Email me at missionevolution.org and give me your thoughts or questions so we can share them on the very next show. With us this hour, discussing inflammation and the foods that cause it, is Dr. Stephen Gundry. His website, GundryMD.com. Stephen, as we have been visiting here, it occurs to me that, from what you're saying, we didn't always have the problem with lectins that we do now. We've actually developed the problem we have with lectins. Am I correct in, in assuming that? Correct, yes. And now do these lectins cause inflammation? Well, they certainly by themselves can cause inflammation because they are foreign proteins. And if we think about foreign proteins as splinters that our body recognizes as foreign, we attack them with uh, white blood cells. And just like that splinter under your skin gets all red and swells up uh, when lectins actually break through the wall of our gut, which they're very capable of doing, as proven by Dr. Fasano, uh, then they promote uh, not only localized inflammation in our belly that we talk about in the plant paradox, but they also actually put our immune system on high alert for any other foreign objects that might be coming into us. So does that um, does that, uh, when we start getting what you call leaky gut, does that mean that partially digested particles get into our system and we can build guilt by association and build antibodies to the very food we eat? Well, yeah. Uh, you don't even have to have part partially digested particles. We know that uh, pieces of bacteria called lipopolysaccharides, they're, they're shortened to LPSs, actually can ride on saturated fats through the wall of our gut and promote inflammation, promote fatty liver. We know that fructose, uh, the uh, sugar in fruit and high fructose corn syrup, 
uh, actually can promote LPSs getting through the wall of our gut just as easily as other foods. So you don't need actually partially undigested food to get through the wall of your gut. You can just have bacterial particles. And now we've actually shown that whole living bacteria can get through the wall of leaky gut and actually set up shop in lymph nodes in our abdomen and actually in our liver, which is not exactly what we'd like. So what, what, what we have going on here is things where they don't belong and then the body's attacking that? Correct. Yeah, we, were, um, we actually, the reason, interestingly enough, we store fat in our belly is actually as a uh, reserve fuel tank for all the inflammatory cells, all of our white blood cells are actually fighting a war down in our belly. I actually showed that the reason we have fat developing around the coronary arteries is actually the same process that happens in the belly. That fat is a storage system for our fighters on the front lines in the coronary arteries. And there's, so, go ahead. So what exactly is inflammation? Well, inflammation is simply white blood cells that have been called to the, if you will, scene of the crime to go after perceived uh, bacteria or viruses or pieces of bacteria. And what's fascinating about the fact that LPSs, which are pieces of bacteria, they're not living bacteria. We can take LPSs, which are sterile, and we can inject them into the veins of volunteers, and they will develop septic shock as if they had been injected with living bacteria. So oh your goodness. immune system can't tell the difference. Mm. Um, and it, it's all actually spelled out in the plant paradox. These, these immune cells have, without getting really nerdy, toll-like receptors, um, which won the Nobel Prize for Medicine in 2012. And they, read, they actually read the barcodes on uh, particles of proteins or fats that tell whether it's a friend or foe. And if it thinks it's a foe, it attacks. So what happens when good inflammation goes bad? So there's nothing wrong with inflammation. You cut yourself and uh, white blood cells come in to clean up the process and that's all well and good. Or you get the flu and you have an immune response and you feel like crap for a few days and then it all resolves. But what now happens to almost all of us with any sort of chronic disease, whether it's hypertension, whether it's prediabetes, whether it's diabetes, whether it's heart disease, whether it's cognitive impairment, this is all the process of low-grade chronic inflammation, inflammation that never goes away. And Hippocrates said it 2,500 years ago, it all starts and quite frankly ends in the gut. So if we take this low-grade chronic inflammation, as a guess, I know you don't probably have these figures, or maybe you do, what percentage of our population suffers from that? Uh, well, if you have a uh, disease, then you have chronic inflammation, period. Uh, so that is a great number of, of our population. If you have an autoimmune disease, you in my opinion, and now others, have uh, a leaky gut and chronic inflammation. And so we start out with chronic inflammation. We already start out, most of us, having on some level chronic inflammation. Interstage left, COVID-19, mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. happens? Well, let me give you the perfect example for that. Um, interestingly enough, 95% uh, of humans are born with a preform antibody, to the peanut lectin. And yes, uh, peanuts have lectins. But if you think about it, uh, when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s, nobody 
had peanut allergies and you could you could bring peanut butter to school you could bring peanuts to school you could distribute peanuts on a plane and nobody had EpiPens because we really didn't react to peanuts but now we have a huge number of children who are hyper reactive to peanuts well what changed well all of us had the antibody to peanuts, but what's different is now that most of us, our immune system, is hyperactivated all the time. And so when an innocent little peanut, which all of us, 95% of us, have an antibody to, and that antibody attaches to the peanut lectin, our immune system ordinarily was told, eh, that's not a big deal. You guys don't have to get so excited. But now our immune system is just so hyper excited that this little innocent peanut now becomes a major threat. So fast forward to COVID. So COVID is a coronavirus. It's the cousin of the common cold. But our immune systems are now so hyper turned on because of leaky gut that now our immune system, just as if it was a peanut allergy, hyper-reacts to what should be a fairly innocent virus, just like the common cold. And so we have this, what people describe as a cytokine storm. And who do these cytokine storm attack? It's the people with pre-existing conditions, like hypertension, like diabetes, like heart disease. And so it's not the pre-existing conditions that cause the problem. It's the fact that leaky gut and inflammation caused the pre-existing conditions. And that's what sets us up for the hyper-reactive cytokine storm that gets these people into trouble with COVID. So what, if you were to sum it up, we've been, we've been dancing around with it. What is the major contributor to overactive inflammation? Um... Boy, I thought I was very clear on that. Leaky gut. <laughs> leaky gut. There we have it. And we, if we look at leaky gut, it, how, how much of that is from the lectins? But was, it's our reaction to the lectins that's creating the inflammation in the leaky gut? No, the lectins create the leaky gut. And then once lectins and LPSs get through the wall of the gut, then it's literally like a splinter under the skin. And so our immune system is called to you know, the site. Um, you know, I just saw a young man from the Bay Area yesterday, 11 years old, with a horrible you know, Crohn's disease who's mm -hmm. being treated at some top-ranked centers. But uh, once we changed his diet around, and we'll get to this in a second. Once we started getting his vitamin D levels um, into a high range, then he finally stopped losing weight and finally didn't have 20 trips to the bathroom every day. And uh, we're now weaning him off his immunosuppressant drugs that he's been on the last couple of years without any help. You know, it, it's it's just a real tangled weave we've gotten ourselves into, isn't it? I mean, when you go back to the antibiotics and the, you know, uh, all the things that, that we've in, inadvertently impacted ourselves with, it's led us to be very uh, subject to inflammation. Where's a good place to start backtracking on that? Well, I, you know, I think that First of all, the first thing I, I tell anyone, whether they'll listen to me about diet or not, is we've got to get people's vitamin D levels uh, elevated. Uh, there are now five human studies showing that people with low vitamin D levels are much more susceptible to COVID. And if they get COVID, are going to have a much uh, worse illness. And people with high vitamin D levels actually uh, are far less susceptible to getting COVID. And if they get it, will have a mild illness. So that's now five human studies that have shown this. So people should not be afraid of vitamin D. I've yet to see vitamin D toxicity in 20 years of measuring it every three months in my clinics. Uh, Dr. Mark Hyman has never seen vitamin D toxicity in his practice. 
it might exist. I guess I've just never seen it. And that is it an oil-based vitamin or a? Or, um... It's a fat-soluble vitamin. However, uh, Dr. Hollick from Boston University, the, the father of vitamin D research, has shown that you do not need fat to absorb vitamin D. So, okay. And it is the sun vitamin, but uh, one of the reasons that uh, blacks and browns in this country are disproportionately representative in, in COVID illnesses is that they have very, very low vitamin D levels because they, quite frankly, don't absorb vitamin D from dark skin. Uh, Brooklyn, which was one of the epicenters in New York of COVID, um, only 18% of Brooklyn residents have a normal vitamin D level. So we're just set up for that. Yeah, that's just amazing. So increasing your vitamin D just right off off the top is a good way to start um, shielding yourself against going down with the disease, yes? The, uh, yeah, the, the other thing that people should realize is that sugar... Uh, in any form, dramatically suppresses the ability of our white blood cells. Well, sugar is a huge issue, and we're going to have to take it up on the other side of a commercial break, if you're game. Sure. it It is time for another quick pause. Dr. Gundry and I will return to our discussion shortly, so you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. This is Mission Evolution. Did you know our entire Leading Edge information-packed episode collection is available to listen or download with our compliments? Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. Our special guest this hour is Dr. Stephen Gundry. We're speaking about diet and inflammation as it relates to COVID-19. His website, where you can find out more about his work, books, and all the wonderful things Dr. Gundry has to offer, is GundryMD.com. Dr. Gundry, we were just about to dive into sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not. (laughs) So what do you know about sugar? (laughs) Well, you know, it's people should realize, number one, that there have been some very good human studies looking at the effect of sugar ingestion of all types on how well our white blood cells are able to attack and uh, eat um, viruses and bacteria. And studies have shown that something as innocent as a cup of orange juice will suppress your white blood cells function for up to six hours after you drink that orange juice. Same thing with a bagel or same thing with a piece of bread. Uh, So particularly now during COVID when people are sheltering in many places in the country still, uh, the last thing we wanna do is empty the grocery stores of bread and pasta and orange juice and milk, which are primarily sugar. The other thing I think that's important is that uh, sugar competes with vitamin C for concentration in white blood cells. Uh, Everybody knows that vitamin C is fairly useful to support your immune system. But what most people don't know is that we don't manufacture vitamin C. We have to get it from supplements or diet. And vitamin C is concentrated 50 times higher in white blood cells than in the surrounding blood. And there's actually a a pump that pumps vitamin C into, into our white blood cells to concentrate it. Unfortunately, sugar competes with vitamin C for that pump. So there's very good research uh, done by, uh, actually, in the, in the 60s, 
by the father of vitamin research, uh, who showed that when sugar is present in your bloodstream, you can't concentrate vitamin C and white blood cells carefully enough. And unfortunately, uh, your white blood cells won't do the job of uh, attacking bacteria and viruses as well. So... And it's not like we just sit down and eat a candy bar. It seems like all the processed food has all sorts of sugar in it. Uh, correct. Uh, so, so much of our processed foods has not only sugar, it has high fructose corn syrup, which is a bit of a misnomer. Uh, plain old table sugar is sucrose, which is half glucose and half fructose. So half of all table sugar is fructose. And high fructose corn syrup is 55% fructose and 45% glucose. So it's not a huge difference. But it's in everything because fructose is sweeter than glucose, and so people want sweet. But I did a podcast recently that shows that, believe it or not, a cup of grapes or an apple actually has far more sugar than a glazed donut or a regular-sized Hershey's candy bar. Good grief. Good grief. And uh, people don't want to believe that, but uh, Dr. Google, uh, if, you, if you go look, you'll see it. Um, so unfortunately, a lot of things that we now think, oh, are so healthy and will help me avoid diseases, our fruit has been hybridized for sugar content. In fact, blueberries now actually have a whole lot more sugar than they used to have. Um, so if, if somebody's going to eat fruit, the safest fruits are actually raspberries and blackberries now, not blueberries. And actually the safest fruit is just coming into season and it's called passion fruit. And there's virtually no sugar in passion fruit. But, you know, it's amazing to me. We've just outsmarted ourselves coming and going to our detriment, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, when, again, when I was growing up, there wasn't year-round fruit. Um, there weren't 747s bringing blueberries to Costco in February from Chile. And the fruit we did have was obviously much smaller. I mean, blueberries are now the size of grapes. And you know, grapes are now the size of, of small plums. And so we just supersized our fruit because uh, that's what we want. So we've we've really painted ourselves into a corner with our current diet and the drugs used to mask the symptoms created yep. by the toxins and inflammations. How can we begin to unravel this this toxin, inflammation, leaky gut, drug triangle? Well, you know, in my next book, The Energy Paradox, which will be out after the first of the year, I give a plan for people to kind of get their energy back. Where believe it or not, we're a nation that has more uh, access to high-energy foods than ever any time in our lifespan or any time in history. And yet we actually are the most tired and fatigued of, of any people in history. And that doesn't make sense, but we've actually overloaded the energy-producing organelles in all of our cells, the mitochondria, with this constant onslaught of, of food, which we're not designed for. And so uh, the energy paradox gives people uh, the steps to take back uh, their energy. Well, you know, you said everything begins in the gut. I, I heard recently that much of our immune system is actually located there. Is that accurate? And if so, how is the um, leaky gut impacting that? Well, correct. Uh, 70 to 80% of all of our white blood cells uh, lie in the gut. And that's because mischief is going to come across the gut as, at the first opportunity. The gut wall is the same surface area as a tennis court. So when people are watching the U.S. Open on TV, not in person, uh, just imagine that that tennis court is inside your abdomen. And the tennis court is only one cell thick. So you can imagine how it doesn't take much to get leaky gut from all the things we've talked about before. And so uh, your white blood cells are there to meet the intruders, be it lectins, be it bacteria, be it pieces of bacteria that are going to uh, come across the gut wall.
And that's why they're down there. Mm. So what happens to our immune response if the gut's inflamed? Well, again, the immune response gets hyperactivated. It's basically you're, you have sentries along the gut that say, oh, my gosh, you know, we're being attacked. They're coming across the, the Great Wall of China. And we need to go to threat level five. We need to scramble the fighter jets. We need to alert everyone in the rest of the body that things, you know, are looking bad down here. And we need to, you know, we need to be on the lookout for anything that doesn't look quite right. And we need to attack it aggressively, even though in times of quiet, we wouldn't think about going after something. If... um. Dr. Gunder, in your, in your opinion, how can a person tell or start to recognize that they are indeed suffering from um, um, overactive inflammation? Because it seems like there's so many of us, we don't even recognize it. Well, I mean, for instance, um, we now know that uh, most anxiety and depression actually comes from an altered microbiome and leaky gut. Um, Dr. Daniel Amen of the Amen Clinics is now uh, written books and is proselytized about the fact that probably much of mental health is actually directly attributable to gut health and to the type of microbiome that we have in our gut and whether our gut is leaky or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anxiety and depression, number one. Uh, does, does the brain actually get inflamed as well? Oh, yeah. We now can measure leaky brain and brain inflammation. And if you've got leaky gut, there's a very good chance that you've got leaky brain. So brain fog is just part and parcel with leaky gut. And here we go. You can't think your way through your illness if you have brain fog. Correct. And, I mean, for instance, people want to chalk up plain old everyday arthritis to wear and dare. But quite frankly, our joints don't come with a use-by date. And there's actually no evidence of the wear and tear theory causing arthritis. It's actually caused by inflammation from leaky gut. And lectins are actually a major cause of arthritis. We've had people regrow their joint cartilage once we got lectins out of their diet. Oh, that just changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to have such bad arthritis in my knees that when uh, running, I'd have to wear braces. And now I don't have any arthritis. Now, you know, it magically disappeared when I sealed my leaky gut. And what's, what's the first um, indication to someone that they have leaky gut? And then what's the first step you should take? Well, so if you, you know, if you have, um, for instance, migraine headaches are caused by leaky gut. If you have arthritis, you have leaky gut. If the doctor tells you you have high blood pressure, you have leaky gut. If you have an elevated insulin level, you have leaky gut. If you have an elevated blood sugar, you have leaky gut. The list goes on and on and on. Sounds uh, like the root of all evil. It is. Well, that's yeah. that's exactly what Hippocrates said 2,500 years ago, and he didn't have the Human Microbiome Project to help him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was right. All disease begins in the gut. And and we've you know the Human Microbiome Project was only completed about five years ago, and so everything has just changed dramatically over the last five years. Just this morning, uh, I posted a paper on Twitter showing that the mycobiome, which is the fungi, fungi, the molds that live inside our gut, which are normal, have a different profile in people with um, Alzheimer's disease than people who don't have Alzheimer's disease. And that a Mediterranean ketogenic diet with high-dose olive oil was much better at resolving this microbiome than the American Heart Association diet emphasizing high fruit and vegetable intake. Wow. 
it just seems like we've got it all wrong inside out, upside down and backwards. And now we're having to unlearn what we learned and try to figure out a different way of doing things. That looks like a large project. How are we going on that one? Well, I think there's hope. Uh, there are a number of physicians and um, PAs and nurse practitioners who are much more interested in restorative medicine or often called functional medicine, where we don't treat with drugs, but we look for the root of the problem. And for most cases, the root of the problem is down in our roots, uh, in our gut. We actually have a root system in our guts. And we're going to get to the root of the problem. What do you mean by a root system in our gut? That's fascinating. Well, we actually, we're a plant that carries our soil around with us. And just like a plant has roots that's embedded in soil with its own microbiome in the soil, our soil is our microbiome and the foods we eat. And that surface area is actually a shag carpet of what are called microvilli that make up the lining of our intestine. And those microvilli are our roots. And people are going to learn all about our roots in the energy paradox. Fascinating. Well, it's time for another break. We will continue on this on the other side. Dr. Gundry and I will be back shortly. Don't you go away. This is Mission Evolution on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing you together gifted people of service to the world. I love to hear from our audience. Your thoughts are very important to me. To suggest a topic or a guest that you think would be of interest, email me at info at missionevolution.org. Speaking of gifted people of service to the world, this hour we're sharing thoughts with Dr. Stephen Gundry. His website, gundrymd.com. Dr. Gundry, we were kind of to sum up here um, and probably add to I hope what I've gleaned is that we definitely if we're trying to give ourselves every opportunity during these times that we're con confronted with COVID-19 we should up our vitamin D we should eliminate our sugar um, and uh, we should um, start looking at the lectins in our food how am I doing so far sounds good so far <laughs> so what else do you have to suggest for us well, because we're one of the few animals that don't make vitamin C, uh, I really ask people to get themselves timed-release vitamin C, uh, get about 1,000 milligrams and take it twice a day. If you can't get time-release vitamin C, then get yourself some chewable 500 milligrams and chew one four times a day. Vitamin C, unfortunately, doesn't last very long. Uh, in us, we, we pee it out and it only stays in circulation two to three hours. So we're, we're best off um, having it in us uh, all day long and all night long. I think the other thing that, that are useful for people is to get some zinc. Uh, zinc usually comes in about 30 milligrams. Um, you can get tablets that you can suck on or you can swallow. Uh, selenium has been shown in China to help uh, prevent COVID infection. Easiest way to get selenium is to eat three Brazil nuts a day. That's all you need. Or take about 200 micrograms. Uh, don't take too much selenium. It can be dangerous at high doses. But three Brazil nuts a day will, will do the job. I'm also fond of a component of uh, apples, onions, and the white pith of citrus called quercetin, sometimes pronounced quercetin. Uh, it's actually a very uh, strong antihistamine that doesn't put you to sleep. 
And uh, 500 milligrams a day is probably smart to add to your regimen, as well as green tea or green tea extract. And lastly, uh, elderberry. Uh, elderberry also uh, has some uh, usefulness in the COVID era. But I think the big thing is getting your vitamin D up and trying your darndest to avoid sugars. Here's the last piece of information that I have to keep harping on people. Whenever you're reading a package and looking at the content label, most people immediately go down and look at sugars. And they're pleased to see that the sugar level is very low. This was actually planned by big food companies. So what you have to do is you have to look at total carbohydrates, take away the fiber, and whatever number you come up with is the total sugars in that serving. Now, that may not mean much because it's in grams. So here's the easy trick. There are four grams of sugar per teaspoon. And so do the math and you will be shocked. For instance, a bagel has about 33 grams of carbohydrates. And if you divide that by four, there's about eight teaspoons, a little over eight teaspoons of sugar in that bagel that you didn't taste as sugar. So so many of my patients tell me that they do not eat sugar, and yet when we do the math, they're shocked that that's all they eat is sugar. So your carbohydrates, whether they're sugar or not, are sugar. Correct. Now, does that happen in the process of digesting it and what it does in our body, or, or how does that work? Well, unfortunately, any, any product, any carbohydrate that has been ground into a fine powder, whether it's wheat, whether it's oats, whether it's um, some of the new fun ones um, like millet uh, flour or tapioca flour, Unfortunately, once you grind it into a fine powder, it's far easier to turn into sugar than even table sugar. You know, for instance, white bread has a glycemic index of 100, which is the highest you can get because it actually becomes sugar faster than table sugar. Goodness. Yep. Goodness. It's a whole new education, isn't it? Unfortunately. So- so do you, you, of course, recommend an a, a anti-inflammatory diet. What are the main um, um, things that we look for when trying to, to start an anti-inflammatory diet? Well, I think that's a, a, an incredible misnomer. There's no such thing as an anti-inflammatory diet because most people associate anti-inflammatory foods with trying to put down inflammation. But in fact, that's the mistake. You want to stop inflammation from occurring in the first place, and that's stopping leaky gut. Let's suppose you and I are out in a rowboat on a lake or the ocean, and we get a hole in the bottom of our rowboat, and water is pouring in. We have two options. One, we could get a bucket, and we could start bailing. And if the hole gets better, we're going to need a bigger bucket. That's what most anti-inflammatory diets do. You're bailing water. It's a whole lot easier to put your finger in the hole and plug the dike. That way water can't come in the boat in the first place. So in my program, we remove the cause of the holes, and that is removing lectins and removing the disruptors of our barrier to lectins, and that's getting rid of antibiotics, getting rid of antibiotic-fed animals, getting rid of grains and beans that aren't pressure-cooked, and getting rid of the nightshade family, like tomatoes and eggplants and potatoes, and getting rid of those healthy grains like quinoa or buckwheat, which unfortunately are loaded with lectins. And that's how to stop inflammation in the first place. So if you go on this diet, um, have you noticed uh, people uh, having detox symptoms when they first started? 
Uh, I have absolutely no idea what the heck a detox symptom is. Um, we see people who have large amounts of heavy metals and organopesticides stored in their fat, but you have to rapidly lose weight to have those come out into circulation. And this was actually um, first portrayed by Ray Walford, who uh, was the professor at UCLA, who was one of the original biospherians, who um, was locked in the biosphere, too, in the Arizona desert. And they lost huge amounts of weight because they had to grow their own food, like living on Mars. And they found that, in fact, their heavy metals and uh, toxins went sky high in their bloodstream and took a year to go back to normal. And so I talk about this and how to prevent this in both the longevity paradox, which was my last bestseller, and the upcoming energy paradox. Now, I'm waiting for that energy paradox because I could use some more energy. I think all of us could. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so um, the the diet that you're recommending where you um, absolutely limit your lectins, you haven't seen any signs of it making people worse before it makes them better. I mean, I've, there's certain diets that do do that, uh, um, nope. but you haven't seen any sign of that. So so that would indicate that even if a person is coming down with, with COVID, they could um, support themselves by going on a low lectin diet. Yes, absolutely. Without any side effects, and it wouldn't weaken them either. Yep. Well, there's a nice key. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> what What can we learn from the pandemic about our future health care? Well, I guess one of the interesting things that's happened, and there's a debate over why it's happened, is we've we've seen a dramatic decrease in stroke admissions and heart attack admissions uh, across the country. And certainly we've seen that in, uh, in the two hospitals I'm affiliated with. And some people claim it's because these things are still happening, but people are afraid to come to the hospital because of COVID. Uh, I can certainly assure anyone that if you're having a stroke, uh, you're certainly not going to sit at home and wait it out. Um, and most people who are having a heart attack, that crushing chest pain is not something that you're going to wait out. I think uh, it's quite possible that because we've had to fend for ourselves and cook meals at home, then not having as, lot of, as many fast food meals, at least initially in COVID, that we, uh, for a number of places, we're probably eating a whole lot better for the first time in people's lives. So there is hope. I think that if we cook for ourselves and cook properly, that uh, maybe we can start turn, turning things around. Do you think that also, I mean, there's a lot of stress, I guess, of, of staying at home and, mm -hmm. you know, all mm -hmm. the uncertainty, et cetera, et cetera. But isn't there also a reduction of stress in that you don't have to jump out of bed in the morning or drive through the traffic to get to work? How do you think that that's affected overall? Um. I think, it, I think a lot of it depends on whether you have young kids or teenagers at home. Uh, so far, distance learning has not gone well. And uh, I have uh, two young grandkids um, in my daughter's and son-in-law's son home that my, my, grand, my, my daughter is a teacher. And she never thought that she'd be teaching her kids at home. She's a high school a math teacher. Mm -hmm. and doesn't enjoy teaching young kids. So it's, uh, it's, she likes to pull her hair out. Um, so, and I have a number of teachers that I take care of, and they tell me to a person that distance learning is not working. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's, it is definitely taking the toll on the children, and yet we're putting them back in school. It, it is a concern if they're going to get exposed or not, isn't it? Yep, yep, yep. So if we follow your advice and do all the vitamin regime that you said and change the diet, that gives our children a better opportunity of, of uh, surviving the virus if they do come down with it, would you say? Well, yeah, I think we have to understand we have to, we have to arm ourselves. And we're, we should do the best we can to you know, meet this virus head on and you know, protect ourselves, not just with masks and social distancing, 
but to make sure the food we eat supports our immune system and the supplements we take supports our immune system. And I think that's the way to get through all this. You know, we're just about out of time. Um, in closing, what would you like to share with Mission Evolution's worldwide audience during these trying times? Well, it's, you know, take care of yourself, number one, and that includes this is the only body you're ever going to live in as far as we know. And if we spend as much time caring for this body that we care for our car, that we care for our house, uh, we'd probably be in a lot better shape. Words for the wise. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time, Dr. Gundry. Thank you so much for joining us again and sharing your wonderful work. Wilda, thanks for having me. Hope to talk to you soon. I hope so, too. Our guest this hour has been Dr. Stephen Gundry. Dr. Gundry is a cardiologist, medical researcher, and the author of Dr. Gundry's Diet Evolution and New York Times bestseller, The Plant Paradox. His website, where you can find his books, services, and products, is gundrymd.com. Remember, our entire information-packed past episode collection, including many episodes with scientists and medical doctors addressing COVID-19, is available for listener download free of charge. Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. This has been Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to a wildly evolving world. 